Well, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, please turn in them to Romans 3, Romans chapter 3. For the sake of anyone who's new here at Grace Community Church, my name is Chris Patton, and I have the joy of serving here alongside of my dear friend Jeremy as one of the pastors here, and I just want to add my greeting to his and say thanks. Thank you for being with us today. We are delighted to have you here And just pray that God, by his Holy Spirit, would meet you uh, in a wonderful way in this Christmas season as you gather with us today. Uh, Today we continue our Advent series entitled, and I love this title, All Hail the Glorious Christ, Reasons for Great Joy in Advent. And our sermon text this morning is Romans 3, familiar passage, verses 21 to 26. So let us, in this moment, now prepare our hearts to be addressed not by a mere man, but by God himself. These are the words of God. Romans 3, we begin reading in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word, as the psalmist declares, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So, Lord, we ask you, light the way for us this morning. Father, in this Advent season, we acknowledge there is much that can easily distract us from the main purpose of Christmas, which is to celebrate the one Christmas is all about our blessed Savior, Jesus. So, Lord, we ask you, by your Holy Spirit, through your word, shine the light on him. Shine the light on Christ this day. Help us by faith to see and behold Christ more clearly in order that he might be our supreme focus and joy in this season. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen. As you well know, in the Advent season, Christians love to greet one another, and I mentioned this moments ago, and say goodbye with the words, Merry Christmas. In so doing, we we affirm as believers that we have reason 
to celebrate. (laughs) We have reason to rejoice and to make merry, so to speak. And the reason for our joy is clearly identified in the second word of that refrain. Merry Christmas. Since sometime around the 4th century, Christians have viewed December 25th and the Advent season leading up to it as a time to rejoice in the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yet in saying that, it is good to be reminded that Christmas is not merely a birthday celebration for Jesus. The truth of the matter is, the exact date of Jesus' birth remains uncertain. While it could be December 25th, uh, we really don't know that for sure. As Christians, our aim for this season is far more theological in nature than a mere birthday celebration. Our aim in this season, you know this well, is to celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Our goal in this time of year is to rejoice in the glory of the God-man, Jesus Christ, conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, as the Apostles' Creed says. Our purpose in this time of year is to celebrate the one who around 2,000 years ago came into this world on a rescue mission to seek and to save lost sinners like you and like me. Viewed through this lens, Christmas gives us much, brothers and sisters, to make merry about. Viewed also through this lens, I'd suggest that even the most weary and burdened believer experiencing deep sorrow has reason in this season for true joy. To be clear, by true joy, I don't mean glib, superficial, surface-level happiness. Instead, instead I mean deep, abiding, settled joy in Christ himself that cannot be touched even by the most trying of circumstances. Many would attest, and I know some of you attest, because of him, Because of Jesus, because of Christ, the Christian can experience difficult trials and even go without stockings, plum pudding, and the myriad of Christmas traditions many enjoy and still have the most joyful Christmas ever. I've been very moved over the years, by hearing my dear wife, Phibia, retell her child experience of Christmas. She recently actually did this the other night as we were sitting together as a family in our living room, just talking and sharing fellowship with one another. Growing up in communist Romania, in an era of strict food rations 
and long lines of people waiting to get food. Phibia shared with our children just the other night how her memory of Christmas as a young girl does not include things like Christmas trees, all-you-can-eat Christmas dinners, (laughs) or presents. However, Phibia still recounts the great joy that her family experienced in anticipating Christmas Day and the celebration of Christ's birth. When sharing Christmas memories, Phoebe and I certainly have had uh, very different childhood experiences. She living in communist Romania and me here in the prosperous United States. However, in Phibia's Christmas memories, joy and excitement abound. Despite the absence of what many commonly view as essential components of a happy Christmas. Because of Christ, because of Jesus, in spite of the significant hardships her family experienced, the childish wonder of Christmas was alive and well. Amphibious heart, every single Christmas Eve. And the same can be true for all of us as well. Because of Christ, this Christmas can be for us all a happy one, even if all may not be happy in our circumstances. This morning, I want to highlight one primary reason drawn from our passage that Jesus came into this world on that first Christmas and is reason for joy and a truly merry Christmas. Or you could say a happy Christmas, as our European friends like to put it. And that's this. Jesus came into this world in order to justify Lost sinners. Jesus came into this world in order to justify lost sinners. By way of reminder, I know most of you know this, to be justified means to be declared righteous in God's sight, in God's heavenly courtroom. And justification is God's good gift to all who will but place their faith in Him. And is indeed reason for great joy in this season. And every time of year, for that matter. Let us now consider, as the rain keeps coming down, a survey of the text. In the verses uh, just prior to our passage in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul labored to make the point that no man, no person can be justified in God's sight by means of obedience to the Old Testament law. His essential point was no one is righteous in God's sight by virtue of their obedience to the law of Moses. But now, Paul says, but now, he says, with the coming of Christ into the world, a righteousness that the Old Testament prophets and even the Mosaic law itself pointed forward to has been manifested, revealed, displayed, Disclosed that comes not by means of law keeping. That's verse 21, if you want to glance down there. I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we go along here. 
Instead, this righteousness comes, it comes not by law keeping, but it comes by means of faith in Jesus Christ. In this matter, there is no distinction. That's verse 22. The need for alien righteousness, foreign righteousness, righteousness that is outside of us, universally applies to all people everywhere. All people everywhere due to the fact that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. In other words, we've all violated God's law and failed to give the glorious God of the universe his rightful central place in our lives. That's verse 23. The only way then... That sinners such as us can be justified, Paul says, is by his grace as a gift. Yes, you heard that right. Justification is a gift. And it is a gift that was secured by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. That's verse 24. At the cross, God put forward his only son as a propitiation. That is, God put forward Christ as an atoning sacrifice that fully satisfied God's just wrath towards sinners like you and like me. God did this in part because in his patience and his forbearance, he had left the sins of prior generations of Old Testament saints unpunished. Thus Christ came in order to atone for their sins. Christ was the ultimate sacrifice that all the Old Testament sacrifices pointed to, and now he had come. That said, God sent his Son into the world not only to atone for Old Testament saints and secure their justification, but he did so as well in order to justify all (laughs) who henceforth would but put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's verse 26. So that's an overview of the text. I now offer you three insights drawn from it regarding this wonderful gift of justification that our God has given us. Three insights uh, drawn from the text. First, First insight. We all need this gift. We all need this gift of justification. And not just a little bit. We desperately need this gift of justification. As verse 23 says, For all have sinned. All have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. What this means is that no human being is righteous before God and therefore acceptable to God based on their own piety their own righteousness, their own merit. Instead, because of our sin, we all deserve God's judgment. Now, I know that for most of you, uh, this truth is not new. In fact, it's quite familiar. Nevertheless, it is wise for us to be watchful in this Advent season so as to avoid being unaffected by that which is familiar. Christmas is about divine rescue. And it is therefore extremely appropriate in this season for us to pause on this Lord's Day 
and to consider together why exactly is it that we need to be rescued. And the biblical reason is God's holiness, our sinfulness, and the consequence of divine judgment. In Isaiah 6, you may recall, Isaiah beheld in a vision the glory of Yahweh God, the glory of the Lord. And in that vision, Isaiah looked on as one of the angelic beings, one of the seraphim, cried out to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. At that point in Isaiah's vision, Isaiah recalls the foundations of the thresholds of the temple shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah then exclaimed, Woe is me! Woe is me, for I am lost. He said, for, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah beheld the glory of the Lord in his absolute perfection, purity, and holiness, He became so acutely aware of his own sinfulness that he began in that moment to call down God's judgment on himself. That's what he was doing when he cried out, Woe! Woe is me! He saw himself so sinful and so wicked in God's sight that he called down God's very judgment. On himself. Because of his guilt, Isaiah needed the cleansing from sin that God provided in the verse that followed, which pointed forward ahead to the cross. Brothers and sisters, I remind you that Isaiah's predicament, as he beheld God's glory, is ours prior to our conversion as well. Prior to our conversion, by virtue of our sinfulness and our sin, you and I, we once stood guilty and condemned in the presence of the Holy One of all. And I submit to you that to the the degree we truly grasp this, at a deep heart level, to the degree we truly grasp our pitiable, lamentable condition apart from Christ, it is to that same degree we will glory, we will glory this Christmas season in God's antidote, which was a manger, which led to a cross. That brings us to our second insight regarding this gift of justification. Christ came to give us this gift. Christ came to give you, to 
give me this wonderful gift. The apostle says, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All includes us. Note again what comes next. Let's read verses 24 and 25 again. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace. What's that next phrase? Say it out loud. As a gift. Say it again. A little louder. As a gift. As a gift. Through. Here's how it comes. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. Here we discover a primary reason Jesus came into the world on that first Christmas. He came in order that He might one day grant the grace gift of justification to lost sinners like you and like me. Prior to Jesus' birth, when the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Mary's husband Joseph, you will recall the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Note what comes next, for he will save, for he will save his people, that's us, from their sins. You will also recall that on that first Christmas night, the multitude of angels announced to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. A what? A Savior. A Savior. Who is Christ, the Lord. Similarly, when baby Jesus was dedicated in the temple, the aged Simeon declared that he was now ready to die. And to go be with the Lord. For he said... My eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. The birth narratives in Matthew and Luke repeatedly emphasize Jesus came into the world for this purpose, in order to save sinners. And the rest of the New Testament points to the fact that Jesus saved us how? Well, in large part, by securing our justification. In Romans 5, 9, Paul says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from The wrath of God. You can leave that up for a second, Barb. So you see the connection there between justification and salvation right there in that verse. One cannot be saved from God's wrath unless he is first justified 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is similar to our text today, which says, verse 25, God put Jesus forward, you can look there, as a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation, some of you may know, is a theological word that means means this. Justice satisfied, wrath removed. Justice satisfied, wrath removed. It's one of the richest theological words that is in Scripture. So how can rebellious sinners who deserve judgment and wrath be truly justified in his sight? How can that happen? Well, the answer in just one word is this. Propitiation. On the cross, God punished Jesus in our place instead of us. The Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And he thereby satisfied God's justice and simultaneously removed his wrath far from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Praise the Lord. This is the heart of the gospel, brothers and sisters. Yet as good as that is, that's not all that Christ has accomplished for us. That would be wonderful. If that's all he accomplished for us. But that's not all Christ accomplished for us. He also lived the perfect life we could not live again in our place. Unlike us, unlike you, and unlike me, Jesus perfectly obeyed God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? He perfectly obeyed God thought, in word, and in deed. And what happens in justification is, at the very moment we first put our faith in Christ, God both counts our sins as imputed to Christ at the cross, and he also counts Christ's perfect righteousness earned through his perfect life as imputed to us. This is what theologians call double imputation. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, we, that means you and me, we might become the righteousness of God. Incredible. So Christ took my sins. Christ took my sins and gave me his righteousness. Such that when God now looks at me, when God now looks at me, he sees not the filth, grime, and stain of my sin, but instead he sees me clothed in the garments of Christ's perfect, spotless, unblemished righteousness. It's the great exchange. My sins, my sins for his righteousness. That's what it means to be justified. I see why Paul used the word gift. <laughs> what a gift. What a gift. My point in saying, saying all of that is this. When you wake up 
on Christmas morning. For many of you, there will be a tree with gifts under that tree. And I just want to remind you, I know you know it, but I want to remind you anyway, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you possess a gift that is far greater than any gift under any tree anywhere. And that gift is none other than Jesus Christ. And the justified status, the right standing with God, he has secured for you by his life and by his death. As we've said, this truth alone is cause for great joy. I said it at the beginning, I'll say it again. In spite of the various trials and difficulties you may be facing in this season, and even if, like my wife, when she was a girl, you don't have gifts or trees, you can still know. If you're a Christian, you stand righteous in the sight of the only one in the universe who truly matters. God, you stand righteous. You stand righteous now, today, in the presence of the Holy One. You have peace with with God. Your eternal future is secure. And it's all because of Him. It's all because of Jesus. Third insight regarding this gift of justification. This gift is to be received by faith. This gift is to be received by faith. In the middle of verse 25, we see this right there, that the gift of justification is a gift that is to be received by faith. And at the end of verse 26, if you want to glance there, we read, God is just and the justifier of the one who what? You can say it out loud. Has faith in Jesus. That was a little weak. Let's try it again. Has faith in Jesus. Okay? So how is this gift of grace, that means this this gift of undeserved favor, how is this gift of grace, this gift of justification to be received? Well, Paul tells us it is to be received only in one way, and that is by faith. The simple Straightforward truth is, if a person does not receive this gift, they cannot be justified. They cannot be right with God. And the scriptures teach, the sobering reality is that for those who are not right with God, one day they will spend eternity in hell, bearing the punishment for their sins. They'll bear it themselves instead of Christ having borne them. That's because the wages of sin is death. So I exhort you. I urge you today, if you have not done so already, I appeal to you on the authority of, of the Word of God. Put your faith in Jesus 
Christ and do so today. Don't delay. Our text says, the very word of God says, God is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So do not, do not delay, even for another minute. <laughs> if you have not done so, put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Trust in Christ alone to save you, as Jeremy said during communion. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Repent of your sins. Turn from them. And then receive God's amazing gift of justification and the promise of eternity in the presence of the Holy One of all forevermore. If you do so, if you do put your faith in Jesus and receive this gift, I promise you, this will be without a doubt the best Christmas gift you have ever received. And for you, this will be the merriest Christmas you have ever had. If you will but today cast your eyes upon Jesus, see his love for you, and put your faith in him. In saying that, I realize that most of us here in this room, we've done that. We've put our our faith in Jesus and we've received this gift. And to you, My appeal is this. May we not forget this Christmas season and any time of year for that matter that we are not justified by anything we do. May we not forget that we cannot merit right standing with God on the basis of faithfully reading our Bibles, praying regularly, going to church, and loving our neighbors. Those are all right, good, and necessary things to do and are certainly evidence that we are saved. They are evidence of saving faith. That said, we must be absolutely clear in our hearts and in our minds. We are not justified by doing any of those things. Instead, we are justified only one way. We are justified as a gift by grace alone, through faith alone. And I remind you, this gift, this truly is a gift. You see this on commercials. It's it's not true about what you see about items you can purchase. But it is true about justification. This is truly the gift that keeps on giving. 24-7, every single day of the year. It is the gift that keeps on giving because we never, for even a single moment in our lives, are sufficiently godly to merit right standing with God. Every day, we struggle with sin. And every day, we still do sin. So what is our mindset to be with regards to this ongoing struggle with sin? that Paul was so honest about in his own life in Romans 7 and in Galatians 5. What's our mindset to be? Well, in the power of the Spirit, we must endeavor when we sin to repent and to change. That is what God commands us to do. Grace is never a license to sin. Yet, this is an important yet, (laughs) 
even as we do aim to put to death our sin, we ought to always take courage in the fact that we fight our sin not as those under the wrath of God, but rather as justified sinners. We fight sin. We don't do this on our own. We fight sin in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the strength of the Holy Spirit. We fight sin in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we do so, praise Him, not as God's enemies, and not as objects of punishment, but as those who have been forever and eternally declared righteous in the sight of God. There is no wrath left, brothers and sisters. (laughs) None. There's no wrath left. Jesus took it all for us. Every last drop. Our sin, your sin and mine, has been fully atoned for at Calvary on that cross. So we stand righteous in God's sight. There is therefore now no condemnation. None. None whatsoever. None at all. No condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus today? Well, the pronouncement of God's word is, there is none, zero, no condemnation for you. God is for us. He is not against us because we are in Christ. And as many have found, living in the good of these truths can be an enormous encouragement in laying aside the sins that so easily entangle us. Let's bring this home, and I want to ask the band to join me. It's been said already, but I'll say it again. The Advent season, for many, is characterized by a ton of activity, a whirlwind of activity. There is just a lot that most of us have going on. And as a pastoral team, um, we've mentioned this before, I'll say it again, the purpose of this series is just to help all of us to truly celebrate, to truly rejoice in the one that Christmas is all about. So I want to end by encouraging you this Christmas season, even as I encourage myself. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in this way. I want to encourage you to keep your justification, your right standing with God, keep it, keep it right in front of you. Amidst the busyness of the season, don't lose sight of it. Don't let your justification drop out of the purview of your vision. And amidst the various hardships and trials you may be facing, and I know some of you are facing significant ones, in the midst of those trials that you're facing, don't lose sight of it either. Don't lose sight of this gift that God has given you. Instead, by God's grace and in his strength, I want to encourage all of us in this way. Maintain your focus. Resolve to maintain your focus. Resolve to keep Christ himself and his justifying work. Resolve to keep it ever before you. Consider daily taking time to remind yourself that you are right with God. Not because of anything that you have done. But solely because of the finished work of your Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Right now, I'm just in the process personally of trying to memorize Romans 8, the beginning part of that. I'm just doing that every day, just to try to keep. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Try to keep the gospel, my justified status, uh, in front of you. Consider doing something like that, just as an aid, as a prompting to help yourself to not lose sight of this. And as you do that, allow the, the knowledge of what Christ has done for you. Allow your justified status to produce joy and peace in your heart. Leading to happy, merry celebration. How can we have happy, merry celebration no matter what's going on in our lives? By keeping our focus on Christ. So let's have, let's have a really merry Christmas. And let's do that as we keep our focus on Jesus. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Father, thank you. Thank you for drawing our eyes to Christ this morning and to the glory of what he accomplished on the cross by securing our justification. Now, Lord, we pray that you'd seal this word to our hearts. Lord, this Christmas season, may we as a congregation, as families, and as individuals, Truly make merry and celebrate in the knowledge of all Christ came to do by coming into this world on that first Christmas. Lord, fill us this season with great joy, with great joy and great delight in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said together, Amen.